Hello and good day, beautiful, marvelous, fantastic, amazing human being, human soul. What a privilege and honor to be with you again. We've got an absolutely phenomenal episode for you today. We have Bruce Boyce on, who is a big pharma whistleblower. Uh, this is an amazing episode and very fitting for the times of what's going on right now. He wrote an explosive new book called Cold Comfort, One Man's Struggle to Stop the Illegal Marketing of Powerful Opioid drugs and save lives. We go into detail, um, a lot of depths in what's going on in the big pharma world. We talk about why he decided to leave the FDA, uh, the importance of the 1910 Flexner report, um, going up against militant defendants, uh, using critical management, humility, uh, going for your life purpose, finding solutions and what he learned and having integrity over profit. We go into a lot of amazing things in this discussion. We talk about his story, but also also the uh, you know the philosophical and moral obligations we face each and every day. So this is a very powerful episode. Please share it as far and as wide as you can in Facebook Messenger, in Instagram Messenger, on your timelines. Uh, the censorship is unbelievably bonkers. Um, now if things get posted like this, they're deleted not only from being shared and shadow banned, but actually deleted um, from the original poster. So we might even need to go to email. So uh, it's very important that if you enjoy this show, that you become a member. You can do a buy donation. If you go to mattbelair.com, you'll see the members area. Um, you can either uh, pay what I'm asking for if you want, or you can uh, pay zero. It doesn't matter. I just want to get you on board and connected. Um, so it is donation based and that way we can stick together and continue to go down this rabbit hole together and find solutions. Also, Telegram is exploding because uh, you can actually share information that doesn't get deleted and shadow banned by people who do research and are seeking the truth and solutions. So please go over there and uh, sign up for the email list and uh, stay in touch, become a, mem a member so we're directly connected because uh, yeah, the censorship is crazy, crazy bonkers. Uh, for those of you guys who want to go a step further and you want to start to do some training. Um, this year, we have created the Atomic Alchemy Group. I also still do one-on-one -on -one coaching, but this is to empower individuals with the training, network, strategies, and support system to know and live their life purpose. Help you install a fearless mindset, build your courage, teach you to remove any um, obstacles or limiting beliefs, and architect your future in the spirit of connection, heart-centeredness, creativity, and we also explore ancient and modern wisdom training, neurology, and how we can master our inner and outer world. And so if that all sounds amazing to you, we would love for you to join our group or apply for one-on-one -on -one coaching. And you can do that at mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. Would love to have you in the group or support you on your mission because when we connect to our life purpose and we know our soul compass, we have a connection with our creator in whatever way that is for you. We are empowered. We are led. And we are building the solutions for all our community. And that's what we need right now is solutions to build a new and better world. Um, we are forced in this position now. So kudos to all of you taking action. So that's it. Um, the most important thing you can do is to uh, do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. And to support the show, leaving a review and shares would be amazing. So let's get into this episode. But before we do, let's come to a state of peace and coherence. Wherever you are in this world, just stop what you're doing. Taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. 
and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, empowerment, connection, and ready to enjoy this incredible episode with Bruce Boyce. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. As you know, we are facing extreme censorship alongside many other truth seekers out there. If you want to support the show, please go over to mattbelair.com and sign up for the email list. Become a member for exclusive and censorship-free content by donation or for free. And most importantly, consider doing three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest is the author of the new explosive book, Cold Comfort, One Man's Struggle to Stop the Illegal Marketing of Powerful Opioid Drugs and Save Lives. Having worked as a top pharmaceutical sales manager for 24 years, he did not intend to become a whistleblower, nor did he fully understand what he was getting himself into when he encouraged his company to stop illegally marketing off-label use of prescription drugs. He ended up losing his job, getting blackballed by the industry, becoming homeless after going through a million dollars in assets and savings, and fearing all of his sacrifices and efforts would lead to nothing being done to the company that contributed to our nation's deadly opioid overdose epidemic. Welcome to the show, Bruce Boyce. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. I, you know, we're having a nice little discussion before the show and I started to, you know, I read through like a little bit of what the book was about and your story. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like, I'm excited just to hear it all. And I'm also really grateful for you sharing this message because this is really what, what's going on, uh, going on in the world right now. And people have no idea how dangerous pharmaceutical drugs can be. We just accept that these are good for us. We go to the doctor, they prescribe a pill. We don't question it. We don't, we're taught not to question anything, but we don't really um, look at these things. I did an amazing podcast with Kelly Brogan, who speaks a lot about this, who was in the doctor in the pharmaceutical industry. So, um, but your story is uh, very incredible. So why don't we just, why don't we just start at the beginning? Like, why did you want to write the book or, or, um, or at the beginning of your story, wherever you feel like we should start. Um, how about we start um, when the when I decided I was going to leave the company because they were promoting um, their products off label. Now, on label is permissible by the government for a doctor to write, which saves a lot of lives sometimes. So, if you have a drug that's that is indicated for something, uh, a medical condition. And let's say that Dr. A prescribes that drug for another medical condition, but not what's indicated. But that's legal in the sense he's trying to help a patient. What's illegal is for the pharmaceutical company to wind up promoting their drug off-label. That's the illegal part. And what this company was doing was promoting a fentanyl product off-label. That is really dangerous. And so... That's where I decided I was going to stay in the company and I was going to leave. And a nurse in, in one of the offices called me while I was on vacation when I was putting the, my resume together and said, um, you could do something about this. And I go, well, yeah, I could, but who would I contact? And she goes, well, let me take care of that. And I said, well, 
go ahead, you take care of that. And if something comes out of it, I'll follow up. And I just sort of said that to just sort of, you know, I was going out to dinner. I really don't want to, didn't want to talk to her on vacation. And lo and behold, her sister was FBI. And so her sister, <laughs> you didn't see that one coming. Yeah. So her sister <laughs> then got a hold of OCI, which is Office of Criminal Investigation. So those are federal agents, just like an FBI agent is, where the gold badge, the gun, the whole thing. So the OCI agents for the FDA got a hold of me and I turned over information. And, and that's when they asked me to wear a wire. And that's how the cases started. Holy smokes, that's that's terrifying. Okay, well, it's, you, you you decide to wear this wire. How long did you do it for? Uh, were you terrified? And were you worried about the consequences of potentially getting caught? Uh, I was in all that. I was scared about it. I, I was worried about not just for me, but I was worried about my kids. And I was worried about, you know, and 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 really at that point, I really didn't even know what a whistleblower was. All I knew was that what I was trying to do was that I was thinking, okay, I'm going to save my job. I'm going to save the company because what they're doing is illegal. And so I'm, this is what I'm going to do. And that way I'll keep my job. And so I, I was just going, okay, if I need to wear a wire, I'll wear the wire. And so I did, I did not expect that what was, and maybe I was really naive in that sense, but I really didn't expect that it was the company wide and as I was working with the agents, I was doing more investigative work with the agents. And what occurred, I found out that it was, I thought it was a manager that was going rogue and it wasn't that at all. It was the entire company that was bad. And so with that, they asked me to wear the wire. And then when I wore the wire, that's when I got most a lot of good information about what they were doing and how they were doing it. But it was pretty scary stuff to say, yeah, you're gonna wear a wire. And wearing the wire for a federal agent, because then I became, an undercover informant. I wasn't a whistleblower. Okay, so it was almost two years to put the case together. Holy smokes. So you're ready to hand in your resignation um, right. and then you end up staying there for two years. So I would think emotionally right. or mentally, you realize something's uh, wrong, obviously, that you don't agree with. And now right. you're having to kind of pretend that that's not bothering you and converse and and change your tune a little bit. Yeah, it was like the agents would go, okay, we want you to increase your sales. I go, it's off-label, it's dangerous. That puts everybody else at risk. Remember I came to you about this? No, 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 we want you to, because we need more information from them. So I go, well, because I'm not gonna do off-label, my sales are bad, we're well, gonna get fired. Yeah, I think that's probably what's gonna happen. And they go, Oh, we'll do a buy. We'll do a buy and it'll look like your, your zip codes will be great because we'll do this buy. So they were gonna manipulate the wholesalers and the products so that they would look like that I was selling the drug and I wasn't. So that I would stay on to wear wires so that I could get the, you know all the information, the evidence for the cases, right? And, and lo and behold, what they, we didn't have to do that because the company caught on. After I wore the wire to a national meeting, they caught on. And three or four months after that, I, I was let go. So I was gone. And I still wore the wire after I, was, after I wasn't with the company anymore. So I'd, I'd 
they'd say, hey, look, you're going to contact this rep. You're going to contact this manager. Would you wear the wire for that? Okay, I'll wear the wire for that. So in those kind of conversations, you speak into the collar right here. Right. Wow. Okay. So, well, I guess walk me through it from there. Like, um, yeah, how does the how does the storyline go from there? Do you stay in the industry for a while? Like, when does it come to the point where you're... Um, it was probably around uh, another six months. I stayed in the industry, and then I tried to get into the industry. And then what happened, I was... I, I actually had a job with a company in San Diego. Um, and the company was, uh, I was gonna be the director of training. And I had the job, I had, my suitcases were packed. Not only were my suitcases packed, I had a separate suitcase for the Arizona national meeting with this company that I'd be introduced as the national trainer. In walked somebody from HR, talked to the VP that I was being hired by the VP turned around and looked at me and he said, you are a son of a bitch. You work for the feds. And with that, I was escorted out of the building. And that's when I was blackballed from the industry. Right. Okay. So you can't, you can't get a job. And, and at this point, what are, what's, what are the feds doing? Like telling you to keep trying to get work or is, are they compensating? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're just that. And that's the other part about it. That's why I did. Uh, that's why I did. Uh, journaling for years. Uh, I did journaling for like 15 years. And the reason why is because not only could I not trust the company, I couldn't trust the feds. And I couldn't trust some of the Justice Department and what they were doing because they would, look, they're going to use me to get at the company, right? But, you know, it's not necessarily in, to your advantage, okay? A key temp case or a false claims case, which is what this is, they're usually 10% are successful. Your success rating is below 10%. So once you cross that line and do that, you're probably not going into the back in the industry and you're probably gonna have to pick up some other vocation, but you're also not gonna make any money from any reward from the government, most likely. So the, the chances of me, surviving was pretty slim to none. Like I, like you'd mentioned in the intro, I'd gone through a million dollar plus as net worth. And I, I was living with my brother and I was pretty much homeless, had no vehicle, had a bicycle to go to Kinko's to, to get on, to do my emails. And I borrowed the money for the emails from my brother so I could keep in touch with all my emails and my contacts. It was, it was pretty devastating. It was pretty devastating. And, you know, Matthew, I still don't feel like I'm part of society still. That's how bad. And that's been decades now. Holy smokes. Okay, so what's the, what's the time frame between having the money and not being able to get jobs to blowing through it? Did you do that in a year? Or was that like a five-year thing? Um, well... It was it was probably like a year or two, and and part of the reason with that is that you know I was making I don't know I and and I'll just say this for your audience I was probably making around three three hundred fifty thousand a year as an area manager, and I was doing really well. I was you know doing exceptionally well. If I would have stayed in the industry and been promoted from that period on. I would have made a lot more money than I recovered in the settlements of the cases. 
So when people say, well, you're a whistleblower because you make all this money from it, that's not what occurs. That's not why you do it. You don't, you don't become a whistleblower. Most whistleblowers do not step up for money or fame. They do it because something is wrong and somebody's going to get hurt from it. That's why they do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I can only imagine how challenging that would be because you've got the FBI and the government. And from what I've looked at as far as FBI and CIA and all the stuff I'm looking at in the world, like even in there, there might be some sort of uh, corruption possible, right? There might be, you know, somebody at the top of something that doesn't want, you know, the information to get out and you don't know where that line is. Right. So when you were going through this, um, what was your experience? Do you think all pharmaceutical companies are, um, a little bit shady in the sense of this of profits. Would you say most? Would you say some? Like I think, and then- I think I think there are I think there are companies that are in the pharmaceutical industry that do great work, and there are people that are striving to make discoveries. In in the sort of the middle of the road, there are companies that make money for profit, and that makes sense in our industry, our society, but they make just me too drugs. Me Too drugs only perpetuates what they had before and moving patients over to something that's patent free and they make more money from it rather than going to generic. So so in that sense, they're okay, but they're not doing a service to society per se and they're not help, they're just making money. Then there's this smaller group that's rogue that are that operate, if if I can say it. As these com- this company at this time were co- were completely illegal in what they were doing, and they didn't care. They didn't care who died. They didn't care. It was just about greed. Okay, and and those people are our citizens. Our society needs to pay attention to and protect the citizens and the innocent people involved. They get hurt from that, and we need to we need to speak up with that. So. I'm glad that the nurse called me and said, hey, you can do something about that. And I'm glad that I said, yes, I would. But it's a long journey. It is not for the faint of heart. And you do, you do wind up losing most things at that time. But then the other side, Matthew, is that it's a, it's a wonderful transformation as an individual. You, you find out who you are. You find out how strong you can be. You, you really understand what's important in life. And so there, there's a wonderful, it, I would have never gone through that if I didn't step up and do that and go through the hardships. And so there, there's a great lessons there about, you know, doing for others and, and, and working through really hard times and finding, a way, finding solutions for that. Well, wow, yeah, I I can appreciate all that, and and when I think about it, it's this battle for profit, right? You know, as a sales manager, you right. are there to make sales. Um, right. Ideally, the product you're selling is helping individuals. Um, right. The challenge is when it's a pharmaceutical, and there might be side effects, or there might you know only need to be on for a month or two months. Well, the best. Rec- uh, model for uh, money is recurring revenue. So you keep right. them on. So there might be slightly addictive. There might be these different things that might not be of the best interest. And and 
the average person might not know how addictive they are. They might not have the support to get them off. And, and this is a wide variety. It's a massive, massive um, industry. So the challenge is how is it regulated and what are doctors actually doing? What is that? You know, you know, some people, if they go to one end, they say, you know, doctors are glorified uh, pharmaceutical pushers, right? You know, and, and, but a lot of the doctors that I know are, are fantastic people, but but we also know that if you look at the Flexner report of 1910, that's when uh, Rockefeller and Carnegie essentially hijacked modern medicine and said anything that was homeopathic is quackery. Meanwhile, they were giving mercury to people and poisoning them. And so when we want to find real solutions, real health, the body nine times out of 10 can, can do that with proper medicine. And there is a place for modern medicine for sure when you need a variety of things. So how do we bridge that gap from what you've seen where we say, Hey, we want to have this product that's going to help solve the solution, but it can't be sales driven to the point where you're giving it to people that uh, don't need it or the regulations or like, what did you see in the industry that can address my kind of rant here? Well, I, th I think one of the things is, is what's important is that what are we doing with the FDA? Okay. And, 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 uh, and the reason why I say that and, and, and let me start with that, and then I'll, I'll bring to your question that you have. The reason I had a second case is because the company did the Me Too thing again. That's why I mentioned the Me Too. They went from one uh, fentanyl product to another fentanyl product. Now, why would, why would this company, being investigated by the Feds, be allowed by the FDA to have a new drug that's a fentanyl product to be back on the market again. Like they already are being investigated for this one fentanyl product, but now they're gonna change it, modify it, and they're gonna get it through the FDA and the FDA approves it. And so where are we at now? We're right back in the same position, filing another case for fraud against this company because they're selling off-label another fentanyl product because they didn't give a damn. They were gonna push the drug for great. Now, why did the FDA approve that? What in the world are we doing with the FDA that would approve that? And what I'm saying to you is that there are solutions and there's simpler solutions. It, we, as a, a group of people in society, need to focus and need to look for those. And when you say, you know, the difference between homeopathic and, and, and pharmaceutical and all that, what works? What's the question? What's the question? What's the truth of the, in, the, in, the, in the query is what works? How are we getting to be better? Okay, and here's a great example. You know, Narcan is used for overdose of opioids, right? And now what they see is five to seven doses per patient in an overdose, because what is Narcan used for? Heroin overdose, fentanyl is 50 times more potent than heroin. So obviously it's not effective. They're gonna use more. Pharmaceutical companies are making a lot of money on Narcan, aren't they? So what comes up with this is Dr. Guberman out of uh, New Jersey has this naltrexazone, which is different. It's a non-narcotic. He gets it for pennies on the dollar, makes an aerosol. He gives it free to patients that, that need that kind of support and also that kind of care. That kind of stuff right there 
is what we need to do is instead of looking for there's got to be a drug to solve this there's got to be you know something you know you know better living through chemistry is not necessarily better living and so there's got to be a balance and we got to find what the simple solutions and the truth is to to all this and that's the quest right that is the quest yeah, I agree. And I, again, I, th I think it all, the challenge comes back to money. I had uh, Dr. Diva Nagula on, and uh, he's a, now um, a doctor who had cancer. Uh, he's a yeah. medical doctor. And then he went through that process. And the first person he went through said, you must have chemo, right, to, in order right. to heal yourself. And then he realized that that doctor had a vested interest in the chemo therapy. There is a financial interest. And so if these doctors in lab coats, which people are conditioned to trust – Right. Same with vaccines. And you go down that rabbit hole, you can look at uh, Dell Big Trees work. You can look at Vax. You can look at all these different things. I had no idea about any of this until March, the coronavirus stuff. But if you look at that history, you look at Robert Kennedy Jr.'s work, who is now deleted from uh, Instagram and you watch him debate somebody for vaccines. Well, guess what? One person is giving a lot more in information. One seems a lot more true and one is a lot more knowledgeable. It can pick holes of the propaganda, but one of them comes with massive uh, financial interest. And so how do we keep the integrity of medicine when there's a financial interest, just like with the, uh, the Corona thing. And I can't, I can't say too much because get deleted, um, but we'll go over to the membership. So make sure you're over there. Um, but they were compensating hospitals if it was a COVID death. Well, if you're going to get $10,000, if you label it, and then you get another bunch, if you use a ventilator, well, you're going to have now incentive when it might not be in that individual's best interest. And so you don't even want to put that carrot there because right, every, right. you know, when people, right, right you, you start to calculate right. in your mind, you go, wow, shoot, if I can pop off, you know, 10 of these sales a week, that's going to get me to an extra hundred K a year, right? Then people's integrity starts to erode. And so do you see any solutions for this idea to make sure the right medicine is in the right hands and with the right testing? Because it seems that when I've peeled back the layer, the corruption seems to go to the top. You know what I mean? It's always this pyramid. Like I worked in uh, car sales and lots of car salesmen are great people. Lots of car dealerships are great people. And some of them, when they're really focused on profit, um, can be their, their perspective of how to do things is different than making sure you get the right car at the right price, the right value. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, how do I get them in the car that I'm going to make the most amount of money from? And guess what? On the back end, the bank makes a lot of money. So then the whole banking right. thing, you keep going up, but it's always a pyramid, right? And so you could have integrity in the salespeople, then you, then the integrity can erode as you go up. But the problem is they're the one giving the orders. And right. so what do you think of all that? You know, and you, you have to go back to this to the same issue of truth, right? You have to ask the questions. And if you're not willing to ask the questions, then you just accept the answers. And so you have to be able to ask the questions and, and, and dig. And eventually what happens is that they can't keep the, people can't hide all those questions and answers. And eventually you do find the information that's truthful. And that's the, and that's the, and that's where what I've found out through what I've done 
is that you just have to be dogged and you just cannot give up. You have to be persistent and you cannot give up. And eventually you'll succeed with that. And so, but that's, but a lot of people aren't built that way, right? They're not. And that's why people like you and I doing a podcast that gets information out is really helpful. There, there are some people that are gonna to listen to what I say and don't agree with that, but I can't help if they don't agree with it because it's what I experienced and what I went through. And I went through two cases. I went through all this that was going on and I, and I was up against militant defendants. And do you know what I mean by that? I mean that, that you better hold on to your butt because they're not just gonna defend the company, they're gonna come after you. And so you have to weather all that and you still have to ask the questions. You have to be strong enough to say, hey, you didn't give me the answer that I was asking. And so I'm gonna come back at you again what about this? And if, and if you approach it also in different angles, like you may ask one doctor one thing and you may ask the question differently in another, but you're still gonna come up with that answer that you're looking for. And so you, you have to be persistent, you have to be dogged and you just can't give up on it. Yeah, I agree. And, and we were also talking before the show about the, the real danger. Um, you know, Brandy Vaughn, recently died mysteriously and she had a post that i had read and i didn't follow her work it was something that i came along um right. during this whole thing and she basically has a facebook post that says my my house is fort knox you know right. if i die mysteriously you know why and she's been blowing the whistle it's a very dangerous thing i have another friend um you know dr bear lando who's been on the podcast a lot of time uh people would come to him at the end of the road with cancer they would have you know, pharmaceutical or, or no allopathic traditional medicine had no remedy. The same with many other people I know. So they say, okay, um, well, they go to Dr. Bear and Dr. Bear would have success. Well, he was having such great success um, in the 90s near California. Uh, one of his friends, they would go back and forth for treatments and things. And uh, he kept saying, hey, Bear, like we're curing people of, of, you know, cancer. And he's like, don't say that. You can't say that. Don't say that to anyone. Um, mm -hmm. you, would, you need to frame it another way. And so he didn't stop. And Bear said that him and his whole family got murdered. And that's like a real life story that I've heard uh, many natural doctors, many people of the quote unquote cure uh, are dying. And so a lot of people call it the sick care system. Well, if you're selling a product around health, whether it's a pharmaceutical, a vaccine, or a widget, and it works the first time, there's not a lot of money or profit in it, right? No. Um, so, right. so, so then it goes to the top of this kind of controlling mechanism. And if you look now and you follow the money tree of these the vaccines that are out there, it's super easy to figure out. You look at the very top; they stand to benefit, you know, a, a great amount. Like if you had seven billion customers. Right. That's how it was easy. Okay. Every, even if you, even if you're, you have no risk, you have 7 billion customers and guess what? It's multiple times a year now. And if you don't comply, here's a little badge that everybody gets. You don't get to shop is like, okay, like where's the common sense in it? So that has nothing at all to do with health. So right now we're in this courageous thing where we need to look at things and stand up in my own research, just sharing what I've shared. I've been attacked you know, ostracized, uh, channel deleted, 
all these different things for just sharing the actual truth. And so maybe you can speak a little bit about that, but also um, what it took to stand up and what you got on the other side, because I feel like honestly, right now, it's like this erosion of souls that when we see something wrong and we do nothing and we're complicit in it, you know, we're selling our soul a little bit. If you, you know, whether you're, um, a nurse or a doctor or a police officer or, or, and anybody, uh, my friend, Dr. Pierre Theriot is a, a doctor in Quebec for 38 years. And he recently gave up his license willingly be, to speak out because this is so wrong what they're doing. They're manipulating. He's been treating people in the small area and around doing great work for so long. He's like, this is so corrupt and so evil. And they're, they're passing it down to him and from the, the top, of Canada, which answers to the unelected WHO, which you just need to look at those people and do right. your own research and realize maybe it's not for your best interest and maybe you should think for yourself. And so how do we get to that space where we have that knowledge or courage? Because it's terrifying, especially when the mob is getting dangerous, they're getting right. aggressive, aggressive and, and it's a, it's a, it's not what you went through, but you know, it's, it's still scary. Right. I, one of the things that's important, I think, if you look at like uh, critical management, um, the, the, when you're in a crisis, so critical crisis management, one of the issues is time. So if you give yourself time, things tend to help that crisis because of, of the time element. In, in anything that you're trying to dig up with information, what's going to happen is that time will help uncover what the truth is. So as much as we, we, we want it now and we wanna find out now and, and resolve some of these big issues in our society, right? What does play out is that the truth does come out in that time period. And so you have to pay it. A lot of times people don't pay attention to those pathways, those, those lights that are shown. They don't pay attention to, you know, they, they wind up they wind up looking at stuff and they go, oh, it's got to be this, and it has nothing to do with that. Okay, um, a good example is is that you could you could wind up having a second case, but if the Justice Department isn't interested in it, they drop you. So over time, you have to decide that you're going to just keep going with that. And you keep digging. Now, it may be something gets picked up later, and, and I've had that experience by other, other uh, state attorneys. But, but the point is, is that it may not be the right time for that, but eventually you keep being persistent, like I said, and, and don't give up. What occurs is that you wind up discovering something that may be two years ago, you wouldn't have been able to discover because it wasn't ready for that or whatever the reason. And then all of a sudden what occurs is that you've got that extra bit of time and, and you know, you wind up coming back over the information that you need. And it, it, it really appears in a different way. And one of those is, is this uh, spray that's used in the long-term rather than short-term or Narcan with opioid patients as far as overdose patients. So those are some of the things that occurred because this, this product hadn't been used, it'd been used unsuccessfully by mouth and, and by injection and never been used in spray before. So you just keep at it until you, something 
or someone discovers something and then off running and you just got to keep at it. That's what I think it is. And so, well, what would you suggest for somebody who might be in a, I guess for lack of a better word, we'll call it a, a whistle, whistleblower situation. You know, Project Veritas does a lot of work with that. And um, I think it's just calling out corruption. And I, I think that so many people just go along, even though they notice something that isn't yeah, good. Yeah. And so we, we need to stop doing that. There's that, you know, I, yeah. I took law and security, which was fascinating. And they said that if you see a crime or somebody being assaulted, if it's one person, they'll normally do something. But if it's 10 or a crowd of people, they'll all just watch. There's this weird group psychology mm-hmm. thing that goes on. And so unfortunately, a lot of our industries and corporations become predatory for profit because that's how they're designed by nature. They're not designed for um, the proper use of, of sustainability or integrity, right? It's like, oh, well, this will make us, we need more and more and more because of inflation or whatever. We're not, you know, you start to erode some values and cut some corners. And so that's really the challenge I feel like in, in any industry, especially when it comes to your health. And now we're seeing it with big tech because, you know, we've never, we've never seen the weaponization of big tech before, but now we're in it. Right. I think I think one of the things, too, for your audience is that if you're planning on doing something like that, first of all, there are good lawyers and they're and they also will fight the good fight with you. You just got to find those. And they're usually in a small, finite group and they're recommended um, that the because the, the first thing then is to be able to get a hold of somebody that protects your rights. So if you're going to do that, make sure you get somebody that protects your rights. The second thing is that make sure you pay attention to your financial position. In other words, if you're in a company and you're going to you're going to be a whistleblower, then you need to get the information and then move to another company before all the all hell breaks loose because it will if you're still there. So that you you have a, a job and you protect your assets. So there, there, those, and then probably the third one is that, and this may be the move up to number one, is that you need to talk to your family and if the kids are old enough to talk to your kids, to let them know what you're gonna do. And, and, is, and is it okay with the family? And is it okay with your spouse? Because that's a big thing to put on everybody else. I was single at the time when I did it. And, I, but my, and my kids were young adults and they were in college at the time. And so, but I still then went to my kids and said, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna be in an undercover foreman. Are you okay with that? And so I think those are some of the things if you're, if you're, gonna, if you're gonna go down that path, by all means, more people should. I think you're correct in saying, rather than just not paying it, you know, if somebody gets knifed or robbed at the ATM, stand up for that. I think you should stand up for that. But if you're going to do that, make sure you protect yourself as well. Well, very practical insights from a man who's kind of gone through it. Um, you know, one of the one of the questions I wanted to ask is, you know, 
you were kind of on the side before in sales and in sales, it's about profit, right? Profit is right. about lifestyles and luxuries and all these different things. Then you lose everything, right? You, you, if you have nothing, let's say you're poor, right? And you're striving and then you're going on Instagram, you're finding hustle 9,000, 10 X yeah. this, get into sales, you know, hustle day and night, get, get the paper as they say, and you drive yeah. the cool cars and all that. And then, so you did that, right? Yeah. Um, not as balling as Floyd Mayweather, but you did all right. And uh, right. But then you you have this experience and you you decide to engage in something that, you know, is dangerous and challenging, but 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 needs to be said and, mm-hmm. and done. And you do that. And now you're like you said, you're, you're not fully in the world because, you know, you were in kind of the you, you learn about the FBI and, the, and how that whole system works and the pharma and all that works. And so you're not exactly placed back in the world. What would you say to an individual that's striving for like, I don't know, money or success or whatever? Like, how did you, what did you learn from this experience of, of, of going through that amazing and very challenging transition? Well, first of all, let's define success, right? What is success, success to you? And what I thought success was that made me happy was material. And what I realized is that that's not what made me happy. What made me happy was stepping up and, and trying to help people that were innocent in the situation, that I felt good about me being able to step forward to help all those individuals. Now that, that to me is success. So in the beginning of, of that career in pharmaceuticals, being a manager, being successful, making a lot of money, getting all the awards and all that, and President's Club, and I did all that. To me, that was success. And what I realized is that that's not what made me tick. That's not what made me happy. What made me happy was something bigger than that and and working towards those goals. And, And, when I took that challenge in life, I had to lose, I didn't realize I was going to lose everything. And so I thought I was, I could, I could like give the information to the FBI and the, and the OCI. And I was going, Hey, are you good with that? I'm good with that. Right. And I could walk away and then just be a manager someplace else again. Right. And that's not what happens. Okay. You, you hit bottom hard. Okay. And, but in doing that, there was this huge benefit of me, one, struggling, reinventing myself, finding who I am, realizing how strong my constitution is, and, and really finding out that how adaptable I am and understanding law and understanding pharmaceuticals and being able to put all those things together. And in an abstract way, I I was good at different abstract ideas to put them together to be useful. And so with all that was going on, what happened was that I discovered this other side of me that literally is invaluable. I can't put a price on that. And that's the cool thing that happened out of everything. Because I certainly, the money I made from the settlement, I would have made more money staying in the pharmaceutical industry. So it's, you don't do it for the money. You don't make it for the money. You you make it, you do it for the right reasons is why you're doing it. 
But the benefit from doing it for the right reasons is, is that you get that inner glow that you, you, you feel, hey, that, that, you can't take that away from me. What I did was really a good thing. And that will last me the rest of my life. Well, I, I feel like that's a, a really just beautiful and powerful story. And, and what I want to ask in a, in a direct way too, because I feel like a lot of people are listening to this. I'm going to kind of ask it in two different ways. You know, having lived through that, that success of say three or 400 grand or whatever it is, you know, financial success, right. right? And prosperity. Right. And you had that, you right. went to the other side and you, now you, you didn't. Now, if you were, let's say just really basic, like a, a, a one bedroom apartment and you were doing something and you didn't have a lot of money, would, would you still think that it's worth it? Would you, would you, can you look at yourself and say, yeah, I would still make that choice knowing that this was the path because of oh, what I'm you got on the other side. Flat out, do it again. Without without hesitation, I'd do it again. Because what I learned about myself and all that that people don't know about, I mean, they read the book, but all this that we're going into in depth, people don't know that I struggled mightily with depression, that, you know, I do mention that in the book, but I was, net worth was over a million prior to working with the government. And once I got blackballed and I lost everything, you know, and it's pretty easy for you to do, especially if you're making that kind of money because your monthly is pretty high because you're handling college and you're handling different houses and different cars. And then when you go to zero, you know, it's pretty humbling, right? And, you know, and I, I think one of the things I had a, a, a two friends that, and I mentioned the, the, these two in the book, that they ran a carning business. So I don't know if you know what a carning business is. It's, it's carnival. So they put oh. a tent up and they, they cook hamburgers and they sell the hamburgers, okay? And so they offered me a job at $10 an hour, cash. And that's what I survived on. Now, they were 12 hour, 14 hour days on my feet and flipping burgers and a hot sun, 90 degrees and over a grill. And, and, but you know, when you do that hard labor and when you do that and it's honest and it's really difficult, you get to look at yourself pretty hard about where you're going and what you're doing. And so that kind of experience, like I said, that was invaluable. Now, some people wouldn't look at it that way, but for me, it, it was a wonderful experience for me that I, I, I grew, you know, people talk about growth as an individual, and that's a tremendous growth. Whether whether it was successful or not, or whether the cases were successful or not, to say, to look at yourself and say, hey, I was able to do that, and I went through that, that's a big deal. That's, that's Matthew, that's a huge deal. Yeah, thank you for that. And, and the reason why I wanted to ask again is because it's definitely something that I believe and I've seen. Yeah, I've interviewed 450 people now and many people on, on the other side. And, and when I say the other side, very often it's creating your life by default, just kind of going for what culture and community and what you think is important, right? What other people have decided, what the television told you was was important, what success is, because you didn't define it on your own terms, and they'll either get there and it's not what they thought it was or they'll crash or they'll have like a 
a health problem because they sacrificed everything else to get this, you know, golden calf or whatever. And um, right. they, they realized, oh, I was looking in the wrong direction. You know, th- this was right. a mistake. And so the follow-up question that I want to ask, and because you answered that exactly how I, I had imagined and hoped, because it's just true. I've had enough. I, I've experienced it in my own life. I've heard many other people and you can hear there's this, there's this um, sense of right and wrong and we're in our own integrity. We're just doing the thing that we know has integrity at that time. It's all we know. It's not easy. Um, and we get to the point of humility and it doesn't have to be a hard thing that gets us there. We can choose that right, right off the bat and lead in that direction. Or sometimes not, not life- many people do that. Yeah, exactly. Right. They go, they go and, and but this is how we're kind of bred, right? right? We go, right. We, we go through high school and we're looking at the famous people and we're attracted to the famous people. And then right. all the music videos have cars and money. And how do you get that? Right. Right. right? They're not teaching about values, lifestyle, what's important, what's going to make you fulfilled, what's going to um, right. really uplift you. And so the follow-up question I want to ask is, this has been my mindset and teaching for a long time. You know, I did the peak performance thing you know, for really uh, high level athletes. And I thought that was important. What I'm noticing and feel like is the most important thing that we can do as individuals is to know what our life purpose is or by direction, being able to follow our own intuition between what's meaningful by our own definition, because that will always be in integrity with ourselves. And it's always cooperative with the environment, but the success of the monetary gain might not be there, right? It might not be, uh, $300,000 a year pharmaceutical rep. It might not, you know, if I were in cars, I'd be making 50 grand a month. I don't know what that was at five. And and, and let me just say this to you. And I don't mean to diss that by other people, by all means, if you make millions a year, you know, God love you, go for it. Okay. To me, that's hollow. If you don't have the other in your life, it's hollow. And then what I mean by what you're talking about is being centered, being know who you are, where you want to go, what you want to do. Like, I feel today I can accomplish anything and nothing's really going to throw me. And that's because of what I went through. And so when you have that, I didn't have that before. I didn't have, I was going along like what you talked about. You know, you see it on television and, hey, I'm going to do this or I want that or I'm going to get that house or, you know, on and on and on. You, and you, you're driven by all those other things in your life. And that's, that's to me now, I'm a little different than I was. I don't put up with bullshit. Okay. I wind, I wind up, I'm a little harder in my questions with people. Um, I'm not a, a skeptic in that sense. I tried not to be cynical. Okay. With what I went through, I I'm a positive person and I try to keep that. But the other side of me now is that I think I can handle most things now. I don't. I don't get flustered with a lot of things, and I, I, I'm not scared off a lot with with things. So, so I think that kind of girth that you have about yourself, that gravitas that you have, right? That now that you now you've got that's invaluable, Matthew. That's invaluable, and and what I went through and and how that came about, I didn't expect that. Right. Obviously, you don't expect that, but I'm sure you get other stories like that. 
Yeah. And it's great because, uh, you didn't realize that, uh, you're letting go of all that money. You're like, okay, I'm, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to transition over here. You're like, oh crap. You know what I mean? There that goes. And then you kind of learn at the hard way. Like, oh no, you know, I, I didn't see this coming. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing to hear that it, you know, from your words, because, it's it can be hollow like it, we're not saying that money is uh it's it's not bad money is great it's just it's it's doing it in the wrong order right and so that's kind of my suggestion and what, what i'm teaching and what i feel is most important figure right. out what your values are who you are what you enjoy what your curiosities are what's right. most meaningful to you what would right. you do if you were retired already and financially secure how do you want right. to help people put right. that first and then intend to create abundance from that because Oftentimes people can create incredible abundance from that. But when we're going abundance first and money first, which is not all bad, we need that to survive. There's this middle ground where we get, but when we just go just profit, we're then saying all the stuff that we value that we didn't question, all the stuff that's our our most integrity, how we would develop our skills, what kind of relationships we want. We're saying that's not as important. And so when you flip this, right? Um, and this is why I kind of wanted to ask, which is the follow-up question. What would you recommend to, I don't know if you have daughters or sons or, you know, how how do you recommend a young person or, or, or somebody who's working a nine to five or whatever to guide their life? Is there any kind of principles or shifts that you'd say, okay, I'm in this thing. And like, how would I guide my life a little bit differently now I've gone through this process? Well, I think, especially with my kids and my kids are a little older now and they're not kids now, they're young adults. But one of the things, you know, they went through this with me when I was doing the 60 minute stuff and I was with CBS and we were filming, my kids were in the, in the shoots and, you know, from my daughter, my youngest daughter, you know, she, she started to cry. And I said, and the producer goes, Hey, you know what, you know, Meredith, why are you crying? Um, you know, dad, that year that when you had nothing, you were homeless you know, I lived with you and I slept in a chair. And I go, you, you what? I said, you don't remember I slept in the chair for a year. Now, that takes you back a little bit, okay? And I think when, when they wound up li living with me and we went through that, they see that. So for them... You know, I, I made this transition from this material stuff and going over here and learning about myself and all that. They saw that. They lived that. Okay. So, you know, we talk about the ideas, the most important, the money follows. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's really incredible about uh, your daughter. That's, that's a that's something that's very humbling. And the other thing I was thinking with a kid, they just want your attention. They just want your time. And so when I had my daughter, I had to reevaluate everything. And one of the things I'm putting now, because I, I don't get to spend all day with her, I'm working really hard. Um, and we're also in a time of, of crisis in the planet. So I think it's 
it's right. necessary in transition. And so, but, but I'm, I'm envisioning that. I know that that's my number one thing that I need to have enough time with her as much as I, as I can, as much as I want. And so if I'm noticing that I'm not having enough, so I have checks of how I can see her in the morning, right. We can play around and do different things and we get to hang out at night. But if there's a few times we're not, you know, I'm making sure that that's there because that's the most important thing. I'm, I'm valuing that. And so when you are sitting there in that one bedroom apartment, you know, from your son or daughter's perspective, if you get all day with dad, they're going to be happy. They're going to want your attention. And that can be even a beautiful thing if we, um, you know, engage in that. And I feel like that's just a simple thing that people, if they really thought about would be able to change their lives because so often it's, everything is about the more money because then you get the freedom quote unquote, but that's not always true. A lot of the time you work that extra, that extra time to get that extra money. Well, just leave the car that you have as the car you have, you know, just leave that luxury of the thing that you, you probably don't need, like just leave that out. So you can actually reassess, right? You, you, if you live simply, if your expenses are low, you know, it's funny because, you know, the abundance is fine and it grows. And I've seen amazing stories of people I've coached in my own life and other people where abundance is, is there, but the integrity has to be there first. It's, it's, it's the right thing there first. And the universe responds to support so. that. And it, and it's wonderful. And, and so, um, you know, I think often, I totally if, agree with that. yeah, yep. yeah. And so, you know, if you, you know, if you just always put that that money amount or that thing, you can kind of be missing, you know, the beauty along the way. And it's right. if you just live a bit simpler, right? Like, you know, the the amount of the the watch you have or something like that. And I was actually going to ask you as a fun question: What's either the stupidest thing that you bought, or the thing that you're like, oh, I'm going to get a Rolex or whatever, or like the fanciest thing that you bought where you're like and maybe even the reason behind it like did you get like a rolex or something and like kind of flash it i'll tell you one of my stupid stories first to give you an idea of the question i worked in cars and i do love cars i would love a nice car i like i like audi rs7 like i i like i just love them um i hope i can one day have the most ballin jay leno garage you know what i mean i rent it i don't care i just want to drive them I want to drive a car around a racetrack i want everything um right. but i'm not going to sacrifice the stuff if i get it it's wicked bonus and i'll be super grateful um but i remember driving this ferrari from my boss right and and i drove that thing fast and it was a ton of fun but I'd, i would always drive it in front of the bar and i was young and like you know i was in my 20s and i you know because I'd, I'd like want people to look i'm like yeah i'm in a ferrari so cool and you think like the girls are gonna pay attention no girls paid attention. It was only the guys talking about the car. Like, get out of here. You know, it's just like, this is supposed to be cool. And this is supposed to make me feel good. This is supposed to, you know what I mean? I'm in this thing that means something. And uh, you're by yourself in the Ferrari. And this one had no AC. So I was hot. <laughs> I was hot and uncomfortable. But, you know, I it was a yeah. ton of fun. You know what I mean? So it didn't it didn't yeah. equate to the thing that I, I thought it would, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's... And and through that whole time frame that I went through, you know, there's a number of things that, but I got to a, after I've gone after I went through all that. You know, there was very little that I did. I if I would spend money, it was on friends. If I'd spend money, it was on family, and it was and and in spending it, it was time with them. Most important thing. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Well, do you have one of those stories? Did you buy something silly and, and think it was going to do something, or just um, what about a boat? Were you? A I'll, I'll, I hope... tell you a story. I'll tell you a story. Okay, <laughs> I'll tell you a story. 
when I got a, when I, when there was settlement occurred on the first case, it was $425 million. And so the, 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 the whistleblowers split up about $57 million. And the person that helped me that I, I can't name that was in the company loved vehicles, just like you loved cars, just like you. And so I said, after it was all over, you know, I'm not going to bribe him right before the case was over, but it, it was the issue that I knew he loved cars. And I called him up and I said, Hey, what can I do for you? The case is over. This is the settlement. I know you weren't going to take any money for taking any money. And there were, there were other issues. There were other reasons why he couldn't do anything or be part of the case, right? He couldn't be openly part of the case as a defendant. So he said, man, I really like an SL 550 Mercedes. I go, why? Why that? And he goes, our CEO that we were part of the same company, that's what he drove. And I said, okay, I'll get you one of those. He goes, holy crap. He said, they're $125,000. And I said, no. I said, seriously, I'll, I'll, I'll get one. I'll buy it and I'll pay the taxes and I'll send it to you. And so his wife, his, if he sees this video, he's going to know. His wife gave him crap that Bruce would never follow through, that that would never happen. So... The settlement happened like in September and this is Thanksgiving and his in-laws are in his house and they're, and the, the, the wife, mom and dad are giving this guy crap for you shouldn't trust him, shouldn't give him the information. He's never going to follow up. And what pulls up in their driveway with a blue bow around a black Mercedes on Thanksgiving day, with his relatives there. He said to me, it was the, the car was great, but to do it on that day when all of them were there that gave him crap was the best ever. He said, it was like I scored a hundred touchdowns in football. It was the absolute, the best thing ever. So that was, that was sort of a funny story. Uh, that's, that's beautiful. And I love that. And I like, I love how your story goes to, you know, um, the family and contributing to other people. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, one of the things I definitely learned from my time with David Lone Bear, um, you know, one of my Native American teachers was, you know, he would say, do three kind acts a day. And, and it's been the best spiritual teaching I've ever heard or, or know about, you know, uh, he said, you know, he's a very interesting guy in a lot of different ways. And I was like, that's the best thing I've ever heard. And it's always just about the action. You know what I mean? And it doesn't need to be, you know, it's amazing that it's the car and that's what he wants. But now that that's what um, you can do for others. And now, you know, and, and I'll let you attest to this. Um, it doesn't need to be the value. It's the time or it's the gift yeah. or it's the thought or it's the thing. And it's just those little ripples that really it shifts your perspective, because I think that a lot of the time it's just what we can get. And when you're, when you're crumbled down to, you know, nothing and you go through the humility and you go through the stress and some people call it the dark night of the soul, you realize what's most important. And that's what I feel like humanity needs to shift towards. And that's what we're, we're, we're experiencing right now on a worldwide scale. We need one integrity, massive integrity, you know what I mean? And, and we need truth and we need to be working together. If you're the one who believes you're helping people, but you're 
shaming and you're attacking and you're doing all this stuff. If you're defending, that's a whole different thing. But if you're attacking because of what you believe and what you think, you're probably the aggressor. You're probably part of the problem. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, well, you know, that's a, that's really beautiful. And, and I think it's a great note to leave this on, but I want to ask you, is there anything that you wish that I had asked or that you feel is important to cover before we close this and just uh, appreciate your time. And this has been a pleasure. You know, and we covered a lot. Um, the only thing I'd re- real reiterate with what we all we covered is that, you know, you're not doing it for money. You're not doing what you what you do when you step out. You've got to look at all the thousands of people that maybe I helped. I hopefully that I helped when I did what I did with the government and stopping the company and their off-label promotion. People were dying, and. You, you got to have that kind of view to, and when you, when you mention do kind of act in your life, it's got to be in your heart. It's got to be in your heart that, that you want to do something that is a good thing and the right thing to do. And, you, and it's not, it, and it's not like one day you, you can't, you can't go to, Sunday school and then be absolved of all the sins through Monday through Saturday, right? You got it's got it's got to be something you practice every day that this is who you are. So when you make that change in your life and you you have that strength in your life, you use that strength in yourself to help other people and you got to be able to do it every day. And that's the important thing. And that's what I try to do with not just launching the book but in in patient advocacy and addiction centers and what they're trying to accomplish to help people. And that's the important thing. And that's what everything for me has evolved to. And people, when they do that, will step into this really bright light that they'll feel good about themselves and feel good about what they try to do. And hopefully in society is better. I love that. I think that's really well said. And, you know, when you talk about the bright light, it's like, you know, are you trying to help people? It feels good. Right. And if you're trying to oppress people, you know, it kind of, it, it feels bad. And the other thing that you said that I think is important is that it's that genuine action and intention. You can change your life immediately. And then it's just being that way each day. You don't have to like, you know, how am I going to save the world and do this and do all these big things and start a charity and, and, um, you know, a community and every, like, those are great, you know, all great ideas. And maybe your, your like huge vision is one of those and that's wonderful. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's that daily practice. I use the analogy of like, I'm going to yoga class and I'm going to meditate and get out of here, homeless guy. You know what I mean? Get we get it. This guy needs help right. with like, you know, fixing his car. And you're like, ah, that guy's in, in my way. Like, no, help those people along the way. And again, yeah. to go back to the the David Lombard, that was the biggest teaching that I had because I, I recognized how many opportunities each day I had to be kind. One of them was to just get people's names. And I never thought about that, but as I did, like when someone serves me their coffee, like a, a Tim Hortons in Canada or McDonald's in the States right. or wherever you're going to get it, Dunkin' Donuts, I guess, or a lot of places, you get their name and, and it's just personal. And then you look at the masks now, we're getting even less personal. That's a whole nother thing, right? But you can't see a face. Right. It's dehumanizing. But I can't believe I'm saying this before the masks. And even now I say, hi, uh, what's your name? And it becomes like, oh, we are actually physically together right now and you can see me. It's so simple and stupid, but important. It's very important. 
you know, and we're going, we're just so disconnected. And that's why we feel empty in, and we feel like our souls are hurting because we're not connecting to people that are right in front of us. Yes. Right. And, and there's that opportunity each and every day, no matter where we are. And it might be a hard day. Um, it might be a good day, might be something in between, but we have that opportunity each day to even brighten someone's day. And you don't even know how much that's going to help. You know, when somebody does that kind thing, when someone just recognizes, if someone just talks to you, you don't know um, how much that's going to help. And that becomes your natural way of being. And it feels a lot better than going around completely shut off, seeing what you can take. You're actually kind of like a predator species on the planet that way, right? Because mm -hmm. you're looking and, you know, and, and like that's kind of satanic and Luciferian because you're looking to take, you're not looking to contribute and support. It's two different worlds that you live in and perceive from, you know, and one has a lot more powerful and truth and integrity. It feels a lot good because if you, if you're looking to, you start, you're kind of low, right? It's a dense feeling and, and your, and your mind shifts a bit, right? And it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, this is, <laughs> do you have any thoughts on that? No, I don't. <laughs> Fair enough. I love the pretty crazy one. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, this has been a pleasure. I really appreciate you. You know, I'm glad, um, you know, that you went through and, and you were rewarded. You know what I mean? And you're, you're never guaranteed. That's the whole point. Um, That's it. You're never guaranteed, but like I asked, I, and I believe you, and I and I know I've seen other people because it. I have a buddy who's super successful, one of the most wealthy guys I know, and he goes, "You can take everything from me now," and and before because I built this, and he could build it again, and he's not joking. You yes. could, he would be happy. He's like, if I got my family, I'm happy, right? right. He's like, this is it. He knows, and he built it the right way. He built success the right, right. way. He's one of my mentors and one of my friends, and you know, he he doesn't he doesn't screw with his integrity. And he just provides value and he, he, he literally would be okay because he knew how to do that. He knew how to provide value to have integrity and he just repeated that process. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so yeah, I think that's an important, important thing. So just thank you so much for coming on the show. And, and like I said, I'm glad you got the reward at the end of it because it's never guaranteed and you get to try again. Right? Yes. If, if you miss, you can try again. Just yes. stop giving up. Yeah. Yeah. So if people want to check out the book or they want to look more about your work, where should they go? Um, they need to go to bruceboyce.com. Um, and that's my website. And, and that will carry uh, just not the book on um, Amazon, but that also carries like all the other things that I'm into. Like, for example, the patient advocacy groups and the, and the different videos of, of 60 Minutes and some of the other stuff I'm on. So uh, bruceboyce.com. Amazing. Well, thank you, Bruce. I appreciate you. I appreciate you uh, taking the leap. You did it. You're on the other side and, and let's continue. So thanks for, so much for coming on the show and for everything you do. Hey, thank you. And we'll be in touch. Sounds good. And for the listeners out there, censorship is real. Join the Academy because I don't know if I'll get deleted from everywhere. It's the membership. You can do it for free or by donation, whatever the case is. Share the podcast because it's not getting out any other way. So share it through uh, Messenger and friends. And I appreciate you guys. So have an amazing day and thank you for watching. Peace.
There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the incredible story of Bruce Boyce. I loved this episode. I left feeling inspired, and I know there are really good people out there. So many people are looking for solutions. So thank you so much for listening today. I appreciate you. I hope wherever you are in the world, you are doing well. You are connected to your family and friends. Um, If you want to support the show, please uh, share it. Uh, Share it through email and Messenger and on your Facebook. Um, You can also join and become a member. That's the best way to stay connected with the censorship. You can do it by donation or free. If you go to mapbailair.com, you're going to see a join the members area. So just let me know if you need, uh, you know, free or discount, just email me matt at zenathlete.com. I would love to stay connected to you. That is the most important thing. And over here, just battling crazy censorship and logistics because with everything getting deleted, I'm uploading to like 10 different things. It, it basically tripled the amount of work, which is kind of frustrating, but we're going to power through. Um, You know, humans are resilient. I'm definitely resilient. I get frustrated, but I'm super resilient. And, um, you know, I want to stay connected with you guys and telegram and email list and membership is the best way to do that. Uh, So wherever you are in the world, uh, build up your courage, build up your mental resolve, uh, figure out where your community is, what you want to create in the world, because that's what we're doing together. And oftentimes when I talk to people, they feel like they're alone. You are most certainly not alone. There are more good people who want to build solutions then there are uh, people who want to enslave us. But the issue is those people have a lot of power and uh, we're just kind of realizing that now and, and peeling behind the curtain saying, oh, wow, you know what? We don't want to consent to this. We want to build something better. And all that takes is cooperation. And beautiful people are connected to spirit and each other. And we are capable of anything, of creating a beautiful world for not only ourselves, but most importantly, our children and our grandchildren and even beyond that. So now is the time for us to stand up, to unite, do what we can in our communities and uh, stand up for what is right and true. So thank you guys for listening. I hope that you have an amazing day. Let's just come to a quick state of peace and coherence before we end this episode. Just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle and fiber of your being with peace joy, connection, inspiration. I'm ready to take on the rest of the day. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.